Good morning, church. It is good to be with you. Before we begin, let's uh, go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for this morning where we can gather together. We thank you that there are believers all over the world this morning who gather together to speak the truth that Jesus is our Savior, that he died but he rose again, that we've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, that we have hope, that we have grace, that we've been given mercy, we've been given forgiveness, all of that through the great love that came through you, our Father, through Jesus Christ, your Son. And so, Lord, we ask that you bless this time this morning as we repeat the things that we know that are true. We continue to uh, say out loud and to say with one another through song and prayer uh, and scripture that you are our God and you're the one that we rely on. You're the one that we belong to. You're the one that came for us and that rescued us. And Lord, we are grateful that your kingdom is so great and so large that we don't have to do all of this by ourselves. We're grateful for uh, the church universal, and we're grateful for the church here in Kerrville. And Lord, we ask in particular that you would be with New Beginnings Church this morning, with Troy Way, that pastor who's there, who will be speaking words of truth today, uh, will be preaching the gospel. And so, Lord, we ask that you give him powerful words of truth as he preaches this morning. And Lord, we ask that you move through the people of that church, that they will bring many others to you. And Lord, we rejoice in the fact that when people come uh, to belong to you and are redeemed, it doesn't matter if it's through our efforts or someone else's efforts, it is all through your grace. And so, Lord, we rejoice in that. We ask that you work through us as well. Unify us as Christians in this town. Make us one in our uh, desire to follow you. And it is through the name of Jesus that we pray all of this. Amen. Well, we have been going through uh, the book of John, and I hope if you're with us and you're still, I'm hoping that you're still carrying your book of John here in the ESV, that you haven't fall off, you haven't lost it. Um, but uh, even if you don't have your journal here to write in, we're going to have some things for you to write in today. But if you don't, that you have other ways uh, that you have a Bible of some sort, whether it's electronic or real paper, and that you can follow along. Because we are in the midst of our series in John, and we've been doing the I Am statements. So there's all of these statements that Jesus has where he says, I want you to understand who I am. And through that, he makes these statements trying to explain to people these metaphors, these figures of speech. He goes, I'm like this, and I'm like this, and I'm like this. I'm like the light of the world. And uh, he's, he continues, I'm the bread of life. Last week, Stephen uh, took us through that I'm the gate. I'm the way into the pen. And he talks about sheep being able to go into the pen and coming out of the pen. And, and Stephen, and by the way, so grateful for Stephen uh, and that he's here, to uh, somebody to preach. Uh, when, when I needed a break, by the way, I was out last week finally moving into our house after 10 months. We were so excited to move in. Thank you for your help with that. So many of you came and helped, and I'm... Uh, Melissa and I are overwhelmed by your help with that. We thank you for that. And I'm thankful for Stephen, who taught a class and then came in here and preached. And so he had a full day. Uh, but as he talked about the gate into the pen, it is very much connected with what we're going to do today, which is I'm the shepherd. So this is in the same chapter of John chapter 10. And this is a time where Jesus is saying, I'm not only the way in and out of the kingdom, I am also the shepherd who leads you. And so these are very much connected with each other. And with me, you know how I am, I want to do some context. So if we can, I want to show you 
why Jesus is saying what he's saying about being the gate and being the shepherd and where it comes in and what it meant to the audience. Because if you'll stick with me here, you'll start seeing these are powerful words spoken at an important time where Jesus said this, that I'm the good shepherd. So before we read our text for today, let me go back and give you a little context. Turn back a page and let's go to chapter 9 in John. And I want to tell you about the story that just happened before Jesus said these words. Okay? So here's what happens in chapter 9. Jesus finds a man who's been uh, blind since birth. And he comes up to him and he decides that he wants to heal him. And so he does the most unique of all ways that Jesus heals people. He spits in some dirt and he makes some mud and he slaps it on the guy's eyes, which is kind of gross in some way. But I'm assuming that if you've been blind since birth and you would like to see, you're fine with a little bit of mud. But he slaps that on his eyes. And then this man who has been blind since birth can now see. And this causes quite a commotion around the people. And so the people start grabbing and go, is this the guy? Is this possible that this is the guy who we've known since he was born, who was blind, and now he can see? And if this happened, how in the world did this happen? So they take him and they take him to the Pharisees, the leaders of the church at this time, the leaders in the temple, okay, the religious leaders. And they take this man. And the Pharisees do what they nearly always do is they skip the important part and they get down to the rules. And they go, there's no way that you were healed on the Sabbath. That can't be right. Because the Sabbath is this time you're not supposed to work. And if a man healed you on the Sabbath, then he was working and that's wrong. Skip the part of the guy who's never been able to see, and now he can see. We've gone right into the rules of how religion works. And so they come to this spot where really what they're doing, and they kind of go back and forth with it, with it. It's weird. Their arguments are either this didn't happen that you were healed, or it did happen, but it happened in the wrong way because it happened on the Sabbath. So that's where they are. They're in this spot where they're going, either this didn't happen or it happened in the wrong way. Now, during this time, they bring the man in. They question him. He goes, this guy, Jesus, he healed me. And they go, this can't be right. Bring in his parents. So they bring in his parents. And they ask the parents, and they go, is this your son? And they go, yeah, he's our son. And he said, was he born blind? Yeah, he was born blind, and he can see now. They're saying, why don't you ask him? And the parents even say in the verses there, they were afraid of the Pharisees. Because if you were to say that Jesus was the Messiah at that time, you could be tossed out of the synagogue. You're thrown out of church, okay? That's us being in here, and you saying Jesus is the Messiah, and we go, you're out. No more. Physically, throw you out of the church. That's what the parents are afraid of. So they keep putting it back on the son like good parents do. Toss him out if you want to. <laughs> right? So I'd like to pick up here, if you want to, verse, uh, chapter 9, verses 26 through 34. This is when they brought the son back another time to question him. Okay? And this is what they say. And this is important. So follow along if you would. Then they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them. I've told you already, and you wouldn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You're his disciple, but we are, we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. The man answered, Why? This is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. 
Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, you were born in utter sin. And you'd teach us? So they cast him out. He was thrown out of the synagogue. And make sure you understand, he didn't do anything wrong. It wasn't that he worked on the Sabbath. It's the fact that he's claiming Jesus is Messiah, as Savior, as God. And they decided that what we're going to do is we're going to toss him out. We're the gatekeepers of the synagogue. And so what we have done is decide, you're not in, you're out. Okay? So that's what just happens in chapter 9. This is this moment of the leaders, the shepherds of Israel at this time, saying, we will decide who's in and who's out. We will decide who's in God's good graces and who's not in God's good graces. We will be the keepers of who gets to come in and who gets to go out. And it is at this point that Jesus makes the statement, no, no, I'm the gate. You need to understand, I'm the gate. And what Jesus does right after this story, the next thing you see is Jesus goes and finds the man that he healed after he was tossed out of the synagogue. Jesus goes and finds him and says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Which is a way of saying, do you believe that I'm the Messiah? And the man says, yes, I do. And he worshiped him. And then Jesus turned to the leaders and go, you're the blind ones. You don't see. He sees. You don't see. And so this is the point where Jesus makes the statement, I'm the gate. You need to know, I'm the way in, I'm the way out. I'm the one who decides. It is through me. Meanwhile, you have these leaders of the church going, we'll decide who's in and who's out. That's why it's such a powerful statement for Jesus to stand up and go, you need to understand, I decide. I'm the way. I'm the way in, I'm the way out. I'm the door. Powerful, powerful statement. And it's not just at that time, because he doesn't just say, I'm the way in and the gate. He said, I'm also the shepherd who leads them in and out. And you could see he did that because he went and got the man, and then he brought him back. And he said, now you see. Now you're saved. Now you belong to me. I went and got you and brought you here to me. And that's where we end up in John 10 where Jesus describes himself as the shepherd. And this is our text for today. This is the I am. I am the good shepherd. So if you would, follow along with me. John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, and there will be one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So in the midst of this, where you have religious leaders, the shepherds of the church of Israel, throwing somebody out of the synagogue, you have him going, I'm the way in and out, and not only that, I'm the shepherd. 
and I'm the one who goes and gets people, and I'm the one who brings them in, and I am the one who will lead them back where they need to go. Now, typically what happens is we have this scripture, and it talks about I'm the good shepherd, and sermons that I've heard over the years, and you probably have too, take this opportunity to talk about sheep and what it's like to be a shepherd, and usually the sermon is about how dumb sheep are. I don't know if you've heard that. Has anybody heard the sermon about how dumb sheep are? Yeah, I've heard that one a lot. And, you know, the fact is there's something to that a little bit. Uh, It reminds me of this video. If you would, take a look at this one real quick. I don't know if you've seen this one. Right? I don't... I don't know if you've seen that one before, (laughs) but I, I got to tell you that that is, uh, oh, it's slow motion too. You get to see it. Look at him jump right back in. I love that because, uh, that is a representation of my life trying to follow Jesus, right? Is I know what I'm supposed to do. And it seems like just about the time Jesus saves me from something, I go get myself into trouble again. And that's often what happens with this. But here's what I want you to know. We're not going to talk about the sheep today that way. This is not a story about the sheep. This is a story about shepherds. That's what this is. This is not a I am sheep. This is a I am shepherds. When he says, I am the good shepherd, you need to understand that good doesn't just mean as opposed to bad. What he's saying is, I am good in comparison. He's making a comparative argument. He's going, I'm the model for the shepherd. I'm the real shepherd. I'm the perfect shepherd in every way. I am better than all the other shepherds. In comparison, I'm it. I'm I'm the one that does it exactly right. So he's making a comparative statement to go, you need to know. You've seen shepherds before. You've read about shepherds before. You may know shepherds. I'm the one. And that's why it's such a big statement for him to say. It's a claim of divinity as well. For him to go, I'm the perfect shepherd. Because you need to know, for Israelite people, for the Hebrews, for the Jews, these people that have been following God for so long, they know the idea and the image of having a shepherd lead us. They've always talked about that. They've always had this image that go, God is a shepherd who leads us. And now you have Jesus going, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the one. I'm the perfect one who's going to be leading you. It's this common phrase in the Old Testament. And you need to know, too, when God would be upset with what was going on, he would call out the shepherds. So there's this image that they have of Jewish people of what it looks like to have a shepherd who leads us. They would think about Moses who helped lead them. They would think about God who was the light who led them from slavery in Egypt to the promised land. They have all of these ideas of what it means to be a shepherd. But let me tell you, they also know what it's like When God kind of gets after the shepherds, and when the shepherds are the problem, when it's not the sheep, it's actually the shepherds are the problem. So if you can, write down in your little notes there on the side to go look at this, Ezekiel 34. You're going to want to go look at Ezekiel 34, and I'm going to read some of this to you uh, as we hear God talk about shepherds. This is Ezekiel 34, uh, 1 through 6, and then 11 through 16. This is what the Lord said to Ezekiel. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not the shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, you clothe yourselves with the wool and slaughter the choice animals. 
but you do not take care of the flock. You've not strengthened the weak, and you've not healed the sick, and you've not bound up the injured. You've not brought back the strays. You've not searched for the lost. You've, you've ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered all over the mountain and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. Jump down to verse 11. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks for his scattered flocks, flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places that they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land, and I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. They will lie down in good grazing land, and they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I'll destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. Powerful words that the Lord said, shepherds of Israel, you are not doing what you're supposed to do. You're making yourself fat and happy, and you have forgotten that I have sheep all over the place that I'm trying to go get. And if you won't do it, I'll do it. I'll go find them. And if you notice, he uses this language that would sound familiar from the 23rd Psalm, right? I'll go find them, and I'll take them to green pastures. I'll go find them, and I'll give them water. I will find the scattered ones, and I will bring them back. And then he accuses them of being harsh and brutal, and you need to understand, so when Jesus is there, right after they throw a guy out of the synagogue, and he goes, I'm the gate, I'm the shepherd, I know they're thinking about this scripture. You got to know, Pharisees have all of this memorized. So they're looking at this and going, uh-oh, we're in trouble. He's using this metaphor again of going, if you won't shepherd the people, I will, and I am what God has promised. I'm the guy who's going to do what he always promised that he would do. I'll do it myself. I'll go get them and bring them in. And that's what Jesus is saying. This is not about the sheep. This is about the shepherd. What kind of shepherd he is. How he is the shepherd that they've been waiting for. And it's also an indictment of other lesser shepherds. It is right in their face, and you need to know they would understand this. So this is Jesus going, I'm the good shepherd, I'm the perfect shepherd, I'm the model shepherd, and let me tell you why. And he uses three different ways in our text to show you that he's the good shepherd. Through his voice, he says, my voice is something you'll know, my life and my mission. My voice, my life, and my mission. Let's talk about voice. So we talked about this a little bit earlier. A lot of times what happens is we start talking about sheep and how stupid they are, right? Uh, as a matter of fact, we have these terms of derision for people. They're, they're just sheep. They're sheeple. They'll follow anybody. They'll listen to anything. And we talk about how dumb sheep are. And if you've been around sheep, they're not the brightest thing. But here's the thing you need to understand. While they're not the brightest animals that there are, there's one thing that they are, and that's loyal. Sheep are very loyal, when they have a shepherd and they know who their shepherd is, they will follow him no matter what. The problem is, is if they get the wrong shepherd, right? 
As a matter of fact, earlier in John 10, this is what Jesus said when he talked about this. He said, verse 4, when he has brought out all his own, he's talking about himself, he goes before them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of the strangers. One of the things that's interesting about sheep is they understand and they recognize their shepherd's voice. The one who cares for them, the one they are loyal to, they know. As a matter of fact, this idea that we talked about last week of going, there's this gate and the sheep come in and out. Typically what would happen around a town is you would have this big sort of area where multiple flocks would be. And then you could come up, and this is one of the things you'd see, is a shepherd would come up to this scattering of sheep from multiple flocks. And he would call his sheep, and his sheep would come, and the rest would not. They don't recognize his voice. Only the sheep of that particular shepherd would come. They know the voice. When I was growing up, um, we would go out and we would go play. And you know this. Is, I come from the generation where you just go, play until the streetlights come on, right? You're all over the place. And when we would go places, and me and my two sisters, we would be out playing. There was a way we knew to come home besides the streetlights. And it was my dad. He had this ability to whistle. He did this, okay, where it was really loud. I'm not going to do that. I can't, but something that wasn't hereditary. But my dad could whistle really loud, and he had a specific whistle. It was a specific. You could whistle all day long, but it wasn't that one close. It was that whistle. To this day, when I hear, I, I turn. And it was a big joke growing up with me and my sisters. We always knew when you hear that whistle, the head turns and it's like, oh, got to go. Got to go right now. Because that's the other thing. Dad was like, when you hear the whistle, you come running. So we had that. We knew that one. I knew that specific sound and I knew that was the one to call me. And so when we did, we ran. That was the one we recognized. That's my father's call. That's my father's whistle. And in the same way, a shepherd and his sheep, they have this connection in such a way where they recognize this, th his voice. I got another video. Look at this one. I want to show you what it looks like for uh, a shepherd to call his sheep as opposed to strangers. <laughs> That's not the shepherd. One more time. <laughs> he even gave him the right word to say. Call him using this word. Same again. Oh my God, 
Watch him fall right in line. You see the difference? You got other people using the same words and calling. They don't recognize, they don't turn their head, they don't do anything. All of a sudden you hear the shepherd, the one I know, the one who cares for me, the one who's always been there, calling in the head's turn. And then they come running. And if you notice, one of the things that happened is they even came and ran down behind to follow. Because that's what a shepherd does. He leads. And then you follow. You follow the one who cares for you. You follow the one who sustains you. You follow the one who knows you. And that's what they're doing. And so when Jesus says they know his voice and they will follow him, then you need to understand that that is a critique right then of whether or not these Pharisees are following Jesus because they would say, that's us. We're the ones that the shepherd has spoke to. We're the ones that have followed. As a matter of fact, for the Israelite people, the Jewish people during that time, they would say, that's the thing that distinguishes us. If you go to Deuteronomy 4.33, write this out in your little notes there, Deuteronomy 4.33. This is, what it, this is what the Lord God says to them. Has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as you have and lived? This is God making his point. When he's talking to his people, he said, I am the one who called you. No one else has heard my voice but you. You're the ones who heard it. This is what distinguishes you from other people, is that you have heard and recognized my voice. Now Jesus comes along, and what he says is, you need to know, it's my voice. And if you don't follow it, then you're not part of my flock, and you're not part of the flock. And so it throws them quite a bit, because they would have said, we are the ones who follow. And Jesus is going, new shepherd, it's not the law anymore, it's me. And so they have a problem with discernment. They can't tell the difference between the call of their Savior and the real shepherd, and who's not. So how is his voice different? Well, one of the things you need to understand is the voice of Jesus is different. They can learn that just from the way that they toss this guy out of the synagogue. And then Jesus comes and gets him. His voice is different. He doesn't say, get everything right and follow the rules and follow me. He gets him and says, do you believe in me? The man says, yes. And he goes, then come on and let's follow. That's what the question is. You need to know there's something else about his voice. The biggest thing for us is to make sure we understand his voice is different. It's not your voice. It's not my voice. It's different. That's the hardest one. We have the hardest time in our life right now distinguishing between the voice of the good shepherd and our own voice because we live in a world that says there is no voice more important than yours. Your own truth, your own reality, your own voice, that is the thing that matters. That's what you can follow. That's what you can count on. That's what you can depend on. And you can't. Let me tell you, my voice changes all the time. The stuff that I say, what I want, it's reliant on whether, what kind of mood I'm in, what my comfort level is, the things that I want to do at the time. I have come to discover I'm a horrible shepherd for my life. I'm tired of being the shepherd of my life. I'm not good at it. I'm awful at it. My voice usually wants me to satisfy either my anger that I'm feeling or my comfort that I desire or my self-righteousness in the rules that I follow. And instead of going, the Lord is my shepherd, I don't want anything. I want him to lead me to green pastures and to still waters and to restore my soul. I end up going, I'm my own shepherd. 
get all that you can because you deserve it. And my comfort leads me to green pastures. And my preferences are the still waters. And if I get into danger, I'll use my own stick and let somebody have it. And my following the law and the rules and religion will follow me all the days of my life. And that's how I'll dwell in the house of the Lord. And the fact is, that's the wrong voice. That is not the voice that Jesus comes to us with. I'm a horrible shepherd, and I have a feeling you're the same way. You cannot be the shepherd of your life. You don't know where the green pastures are. You don't know where the still water is. You don't restore anybody's soul. Religion is not a good shepherd. It doesn't restore your soul. Politics is a horrible shepherd. Your guy and the other guy, neither one of them are going to let you dwell in the house of the Lord forever. They do not have the ability. You need to know that the call of this shepherd usually leads to the idea of some desert wanderings. Our shepherd usually calls us out to a desert wandering. This idea of what a shepherd looks like is going to call them back to the idea of their wandering from Egypt to the promised land. This idea that we have a shepherd that takes us from slavery and, and, and uh, being abused into this new land where we're a different people. And so it calls them back to this idea of Egypt and the way that they would wander through the desert. And you need to know that the images that typically we have of a shepherd leading his sheep to uh, green pastures is typically we have this picture, and it comes through some of the photos that we've seen in the past that were made up, of this huge green meadow, and the shepherd just leads them around in the green place. And that's not where it was. As a matter of fact, we just had some folks get back from Israel, and I'm sure that they saw this up on the mountains. There's, there's no green it's usually desert land, and so the shepherd has to actually lead them to small patches of grass. The idea of desert living is just enough, just enough still water, just enough green grass. It's the idea that you have to rely on the shepherd, and he will provide what you need just enough. Sheep going out to find everything that they want are in big trouble, and that's not what happens. Our shepherd leads us to just enough and to a new land where we rely on him. And he wants us to have this abundant life. And we tend to think an abundant life is with no suffering and no pain. And that's not where he leads us either. You notice that in Psalm 23, it does not say, and I will remove the shadow of the valley of death. He doesn't. He said, I'll lead you through the valley of the shadow of death. And you don't need to be afraid because I'm there. No matter how hard it is, no matter how difficult it is, no matter if you're in those times where you go, there's no way out of this for me, I have messed up too big. And he goes, you do not need to be afraid. I'll lead you through this. And it's usually during these desert times that we grow the most and that we're changed the most. That's my voice, his voice. Then there's his life. This is another way. He says, I'm the good shepherd because you can trust me with my life. Because I lay it down for you. That's what he describes. I'm the good shepherd. Why? Because I lay down my life for you. I'm the only one who does. I'm the one who dies for you. This is the interesting part because he goes, I'm not only shepherd, I'm also lamb. What an amazing mix of metaphors that works so well. I am not just the shepherd who guides you. I'm also the lamb who gets slaughtered for you. I'm the lamb who dies for you. And when the wolf comes, whether that be sin, whether it be death, whether it be works-based salvation, whether it be Satan himself, you need to know that I will step in front of you and the wolf will devour me instead of you. 
And that way you will be saved. I will let it devour me so that you can live. I'll die willingly because you are worth that. And also because I can lay down my life and I can pick it back up again. I'm the only one. I'll live again. I have the authority to do that. Now, usually the idea of a shepherd dying means disaster for the sheep. If you're sheep in the flock and you have a shepherd up in the mountains who's guiding you to places where you can eat and places where you can drink and places where you're going to be okay and the shepherd dies, you are in big trouble. But we're not like that because our shepherd lays down his life and then he picks it right back up again. He's letting them know, and I know they don't get it yet, is that I'm going to lay down my life in front of the wolf and then I will be resurrected again. This is why I'm different. I am not like the other kingdoms of this world. I'm not like other leaders in this world. As a matter of fact, like I said, if you go back to their image of what this looks like, they're going to go back to this idea of going from Egypt to this promised land. And they've seen a leader in Pharaoh. They know what that's like, even in this time. They know what it, what it means to have a leader who has a stick. So you need to understand, Pharaoh ruled with a stick. As a matter of fact, I got a picture of what Pharaoh looked like. This is a common image. If you look right up there, he's got this stick in his left hand that he's holding, and then he's holding all the people of the earth by their hair. And this is the idea of how Pharaoh ruled, through fear, through violence, and through that stick. That's a Pharaoh king's stick. That's why it was so important for Moses to come with a shepherd's staff. Because it's not that stick of intimidation. It's not that stick that says, you will die to provide me with wealth. Instead, what it is, is it's a shepherd's staff. And he says, I'll lay down my life to make sure that you're okay. Do you see the difference? This is Jesus making his point. You can trust me. I am not only the shepherd, but I am the lamb. And then finally, my mission. This is what Jesus says. I'm the good shepherd because I have a mission. And you see it when he went and he found the man who had been cast out of the synagogue. He goes, listen, my mission's to go get that guy. You went and tossed him out of there because he didn't follow the rules on the Sabbath. I'm going to go get him, and I'm going to bring him back. John 10, 16, this is part of what we read earlier. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they'll listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. One flock and one shepherd. This is why we pray for other churches on Sundays. Because we are part of one flock and we have one shepherd. Those that follow Jesus, that is the one flock that we have. His mission is to seek the scattered and the lost, to bind up the wounded and to strengthen the weak. That's what he talked about in Ezekiel. There are others out there, Jesus says, and I'm going after them. And if you're going to follow me and you're going to follow my voice, that's where you will be out there going after them. It's really interesting that when he talks about the gate, he talks about going in and getting his sheep and going, and then we leave. And we're going to go and we're going to find the others. I will lead you out of that pen and we're going to go get the ones that are scattered and the ones that are lost. And if you follow me, that's where I am going to be. That's what it means for us to follow Christ. That's what it means for us to follow the shepherd and to remind ourselves what it means that he is the good shepherd. The same voice of the shepherd that called you originally to come to Christ is the same voice that still calls you and says, come follow me. Let's go get the rest of them. 
Don't forget that powerful voice. I want to tell you, I'm so excited this morning. We're going to have a baptism. We have somebody here in just a few minutes that we're going to baptize. And it's because they heard the call of the shepherd. He went and found them and said, you belong with me. You belong in my flock. And so he picks them up and puts them on his shoulder and brings them back here to the flock. But that same voice still speaks to you. You need to be able to recognize it. It's the one that calls you to follow no matter what. To forget the other voices and to remember that we are after the scattered sheep. That's what we do. We've been invited into his mission. And that's what our life as sheep following the shepherd looks like. As we close out today, I would like for us to read the 23rd Psalm. Uh, I know we read that last week. Stephen talked about it a little bit. But I want you to really think about it. This is us speaking the truth of what it means to belong to him. So if you would, stand with me. We're going to read the 23rd Psalm together. We're going to have a couple of songs. This is an opportunity for you to go and pray with each other. We'd like for you to reflect on this, man. If you need to come to Christ, if you have not yet heard the call of the shepherd that says, come and belong to me, we would love to tell you about it. We would love to talk to you more. We're already going to be in the baptistry. If you would love to come and give your life to Christ, we could do that with you. Come find me. Come find one of our elders or one of us around, and we'll talk to you about that. In addition, if you haven't heard the voice of the shepherd in a while, you need the other voices to quiet. We invite you to stop and pray. Come pray with the elder. Come pray with one of us. Pray with each other. We need to spend some time remembering what it means to be the sheep of the flock. So if you would, let's read the 23rd Psalm together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's worship.